wanted other women to see their story in Mary's story. And a way of doing that is through storytelling and inviting other women to talk about their lived experience and how Mary's wooed them and touched them. Welcome to the Pints Infused Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Robert, good to see you, my friends. It's, uh, you know, I was thinking with the rain today, it's a, it's a dunkle kind of day, Robert. I'm just it, wondering if you've got a dunkle. It, it is a dunkle kind of day, so I do have a, a dunkle beer lined up, and I'll, oh. I'll introduce that uh, in, in okay. a little bit. Um, I didn't, the only porter or only stout I had left in the fridge was the sticks in the middle, which I had on our last show, and I couldn't bring back the same beer two shows in a row. No, you couldn't. But, but I did find another dunkel kind of beer in the, the darker recesses of the beer fridge. So uh, we're ready to go with that. But before we talk about our beers, uh, we spoke about last time how we're going to do our shout outs later in the show. And we'll get to our, our guest and introduce our guest in a moment. But you know, we just wanted to speed up the, the process a little bit more at the beginning of the show. Right. And uh, excited again, another fantastic guest. Robert, you keep lining up these great guests for us. I don't know how you do it, but don't stop. And the listeners will be very much impressed with our next guest, who you're just about to introduce, I believe. Yeah. And I don't know why no one's really said no yet. Uh, maybe it's because they don't listen to the past episodes of the show. That's yeah, why don't they, they keep it. agreeing. Don't, so don't jinx it right now, Robert. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm really excited about our guest this evening as well, Dennis. It's someone that both you and I know right. and have met. Uh, have worked a little bit with through the Catholic Teachers Guild uh, mm -hmm. when we had her come out to speak uh, to right. some of the Catholic teachers uh, out here where we work. But we've also gotten to know her uh, yourself as a student and myself Absolutely. through going uh, some of the, the lay spiritual workshops at St. Augustine Seminary, which we've mentioned before on the podcast. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, definitely. Yeah, very, very uh, busy lady, that's for sure. Yeah, And so she really wouldn't be uh, a stranger to many of our listeners, especially our listeners here in the Archdiocese of Toronto. So I wanted to introduce Dr. Josephine Lombardi, who is an award-winning author and documentary filmmaker, who has also worked in parish and university campus ministry as a high school chaplaincy leader, a teacher, professor of religious education, a retreat facilitator, faith formation consultant and program coordinator, all in the Diocese of Hamilton, which is just to the west here of Toronto. Presently, she is Associate Professor of Pastoral and Systematic Theology and the Director of Lay Spiritual Formation at St. Augustine Seminary here in Toronto. She has done media work in radio and television and has been the advisor to the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops in the area of Doctrine and Catholic-Muslim Relations. Her book, Experts in Humanity, was awarded first place in the category of family life by the Catholic Press Association of the United States and Canada in 2017. And most recently, as we're approaching actually the first anniversary of the production of her documentary film, The First Lady and Her Successors. 
However, Dr. Lombardi is first and foremost a wife and a mother. Still, Dennis, she has taken the time out of this busy schedule to come join us here on the Pints and Pews podcast. So, Dr. Lombardi, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Welcome Thank to the show. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, we, we, we're Great really to excited to have you here. Uh, we've been talking about it at work. Dennis and I work together, and this has been our, our conversation, I'd say, for the last uh, two to three weeks. Uh, well, I think you you sent this to me about, uh, I, I think you booked uh, Josephine about four, three or four months ago, and I kept thinking, May, it's so long away, it'll be taken, <laughs> and you know what, it just sneaks right up on you, doesn't it? I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking this seemed very far away, uh, you know, way back in January, Absolutely. and I can't believe how quickly quickly the time is gone time just flies well it's great to have you here yeah dennis will attest for you dr lombardi that i'm a little over organized right i i would have this set up for the next three years if he'd let me yeah he makes he makes up for my lack of yeah it is a good thing thing, yeah. yeah absolutely to, to a certain degree another you know the the blood pressure medication helps with it too though so <laughs> so again thank you very much for for joining us dr lombardi and as we've said in our previous podcast, and we said off the top, we are trying to speed things up in our, our opening of the show uh, because you know both Dennis and I start to get a little dry mouth, and we need to get into into our beverages. What did you you bring to to drink with us here this evening? Well, I, sadly, I'm kind of boring tonight. I have water and lemon. Well, yeah. bo- boring is good though. Yep. Boring, <laughs> boring is good. Uh, it's a little bit healthier for you than. Uh, what we're going to be partaking and, in and you must have a beverage so it's glad you brought and remember robert when we first started the podcast over a year ago now i drank non-alcoholic drinks for the first what six six weeks i guess right something along those lines because just as we were starting the pints and pews you gave up beer for lent beer for lent so it was a it was a difficult first that's why our first podcasts are a little rough around the edges i guess eh, robert? yeah so what do you have for us this evening dennis you know what? My uh, the kids picked me up a few beers for my birthday, and they picked me up this Scottish ale, Innocent Gun, um, and it says tasty. it's vanilla, vanilla, toffee, and oak. So it's just it's a Scottish ale. I'm going to tell you how it tastes in a few. It's a little bit heavy, six point six percent. And uh, after prayer, we'll uh, I'll describe it to you. What do you have, sir? So I have, like we said, it's a dunkel kind of day. So I have from the Amsterdam Brewery, which was one of the original craft breweries in Toronto, a, a downtown nut brown ale here for us this evening, which comes in at the regular standard 5% alcohol, um, but it says it's an uncommonly smooth, deep chestnut colored ale with a di- distinct drinkability. So I've never had it before. I'm looking forward to, to having that uh, as well. As you said there, Dennis, and I'm a bit remiss to announce to our listeners here, you received that Innocent Gun as a birthday present because a couple of days ago, it was your birthday. So happy birthday, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robert. Well, there's a few birthdays, I think, around this. Happy time, birthday, Dennis. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes, I'm, what, 50 again or 40 again or something yeah. like that, they say? Whatever you want to say there, Dad. But uh, <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> grandpa. Now, you... you well, no, grandpa. You share a birthday with someone important in Dr. Lombardi's life. I do. Yeah, we found that out today, didn't we? Yeah, my youngest daughter uh, turned 18 on May the 1st. Excellent. Oh, so, so, yeah. Dennis. So, yeah. 
Wonderful day to be born. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to her. So the Feast yeah, of St. Joseph the Worker. Yes. Right. So that's well. And you said your youngest daughter turned 18. My son himself turned 18. My son Michael turned 18 yesterday, May 2nd. So oh, it's all of these birthdays birthday. all Happy coming birthday, together. Michael. Yeah. Thank you. And then looking forward to in a few days, I'm going to get in trouble for sharing this. Um, but coming up this weekend is actually my wife's birthday as well. The first week right. of May gets a little expensive in our, our household, mm-hmm. but my wife's I birthday actually, with Mother's Day there. When you, it yeah. falls on Mother's Day this year, but I've wow. been told year in and year out, <laughs> I can't do just one gift. There has to be two separate, distinct birthday and Mother's Day gift. So. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, again, that's Beautiful. Fun. Sounds like a great weekend. And do you want to share her age, Robert, or would you rather no, not? No, <laughs> I, I like where I live. So we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Don't tell Ali I said that, but no, no. So did you pour your beverage? That- no, I'm waiting. Yep. You're right. um, we pour and then we say, we say know, grace. You know what happened? I opened this for some reason and it just started to get a little heady on top here. I don't understand why I didn't. Well, okay. Well, we'll open up and we'll pour here yeah. and then uh, hopefully I get this right because I'm rushing. Uh, I don't, want it to over foam we've had that happen before here on the show as well but that's looking there we go i can see there's a technique there there yeah you have the glass turn and yeah so a nice dark chestnut ale yours is a nice amber there it is a nice amber yes and yours is a nice lemony and a nice (laughs) you know what lemon especially when we're talking the lemon water is nice because it, it it just helps keep everything fluid yeah. Okay. So we'll say our grace before beer in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Bless O Lord, these creatures, beer and lemon water, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain and the fruit of the tree, that they may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink of them may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, Amen. and of the Holy Amen. Spirit. Amen. Cheers. 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 Robert, Josie. Oh, very nice. Nice and oh, nice and nice and full. Mm. And what do you think of the innocent gun there, Dennis? It's really good. I can taste the vanilla toffee. Not so much the oak, but I don't really taste much tree in my beers usually. So maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> good it's really good probably is and the lemon water is, is yeah good? okay it's the spot that's the trick yeah <laughs> okay so uh this is the part of the show um josephine where we kind of get out of the way and we release our um Marcus Grodi, as I like to call it, the inner Marcus Grodi. And we just ask the guests to share a little of their faith foundation. What is your faith story? How did you, uh, how did this lead to where you are today at St. Augustine's? Just and in anything you want to talk about in terms of, you know, how you've begun. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a great question. Uh, well, I'd say I'd, I'd go back to my childhood and, um, the influence of my mother. You know, my mother had a very, uh, strong devotion to Our Lady. So we had, images of Mary throughout the house and rosaries. And uh, she would refer to her on a constant basis. And so right from, from a young age, I was, I was a curious child. I, I, I like to ask a lot of questions. 
and I was very much inspired by her faith. And I grew up in downtown Hamilton near St. Anthony's of St. Anthony of Padua Church. And there was a big Italian community in downtown Hamilton. So there was St. Anthony's and then there was All Souls Parish. And so most of the Italians living in, in Hamilton would have gone to these two churches if they lived in the inner city. And so I was very close to the parish. I, I remember as a child going on my own at times that we, you know, we wouldn't allow our kids to do that today, but I remember being eight or nine and sometimes just walking to church for daily mass on my own. Uh, and so I, I stayed devout um, throughout elementary school into high school and, and kind of strayed for a little bit for a couple of years. Um, you know, I'd say grade 13, first year university, and then um, you know, found my way back, uh, connected with a few other uh, Catholics at McMaster University. Um, there was a, you know, a strong prayer group. Uh, I was going through some struggles at the time as well. So I felt that Our Lady was wooing me back, that I was kind of straying. And then it was, uh, it was through adversity that she wooed me back because I, I, I realized that I had stopped praying and I needed to start praying again to feel encouraged and strengthened. And so I, I studied gerontology in French at McMaster University, and the gerontology department was located within McMaster Divinity College. And Mac Divinity College is a Baptist college uh, located on the property or you know within McMaster University. And uh, it, that was the first time I realized that lay people could study theology. Uh, so I, I studied with Baptists for two years. So I completed a Master of Religious Education with Baptists, remaining Catholic and devout and did my placements at St. Patrick's Parish, downtown Hamilton. But then I realized that I, I felt called to pursue um, advanced degree work. And I realized as a Catholic that I needed to go to a Catholic college to do that. So I applied to St. Mike's at the University of Toronto and went on to... Um, uh, complete an MA and then later a PhD. But throughout that whole time, there was, I just, it just never occurred to me that I would ever teach in a seminary, you know, and, and, or even teach at the university level. I wasn't quite sure what I was thinking I was going to do, but throughout this whole time, I had a number of jobs. So little two, three year stints here and there, um, got married, had children. Uh, so for, um, for a short period of time, I worked with Italian seniors, uh, translating, coordinating programs for them, um, then was hired at St. Pat's Parish part-time for, started first as a placement, then they hired me as a pastoral assistant half-time, and then that opened the door to university campus ministry. I did that while I was working on my doctorate, um, and then I took a break from my doctorate for three years and worked three years full-time as a high school chaplaincy leader. At that point had my third child and then just stayed home. So I, with the other two, because everything was kind of part-time, I, I had that flexibility of being home, only going in for classes and, and part-time work here and there. Uh, but then when the third, I, I thought that's it, I think I need to stay home. Um, and then had my uh, fourth child while I was writing my dissertation. It was an at-risk pregnancy that forced me to be bedridden. And I, and I, I believe that, that this was all part of God's plan because I was this close to quitting. I thought, there's no way. I, I just I can't do this with four kids. Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to find the time to just sit and write. And then here I have this at-risk pregnancy 
prayed through the whole pregnancy, prayed the rosary before I sat down to write. My husband brought me a computer and he would bring it up to the bedroom every day. And uh, on one occasion, he just saw that I looked so stressed and he said, you are not quitting. <laughs> and mm. so, yeah, so he, he like Robert, very organized and um, disciplined and, and that's rubbed off on me that his uh, encouragement really supported me during that time. And thanks be to God, uh, with, with God's grace, I did complete the dissertation um, and then was still home raising my kids. But again, did not think I would teach in a seminary or a university. I was thinking, you know, maybe working for a diocese. And so for some time, when, when my daughter turned four, my youngest daughter, I started working part time for the Diocese of Hamilton. And, uh, and I thought that, you know, that I have my doctorate, going to work in program uh, in ministry uh, as a program leader. Um, and then all of a sudden this door opened at St. Augustine Seminary and it was so serendipitous. And I know it was part of God's plan um, because I, someone had said to me, why don't you send them a letter? They have an Institute of Theology for lay, lay students. Uh, I had taught teachers through the OECTA AQ courses in religious education. Um, had taught a few part-time courses uh, pre-service at Brock at the Hamilton campus. And, um, and they said, you know, they, they need someone like you because they attract a lot of teachers in their program. So I, I sent a letter and within a week I had a call that there was an interview. So I was hired as an adjunct professor to begin. So the first year and a half I taught uh, part-time and that worked well with our family life. Um, I part taught part-time for the Institute. And then by 2007, I was uh, teaching seminarians. And then when my daughter went full time, actually, it was just, again, so providential, God, because I've always prayed to put the family first. And then as my daughter was in full time, then I was offered uh, full time day teaching with the seminarians. And I would do the odd course for the Institute sometimes online or in the summer when my husband was home because he's in education as well. And, um, and that, that worked for us. So that's how I ended up at the seminary again, just was not thinking that's where I would end up, but it's been, it's been a blessing and very enriching and uh, very rewarding to be there. I'm always amazed the way that God works in yeah. everyone's life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just listening to your story, thinking of my own and knowing Dennis, just the way that he directs things and just with a, a gentle hand will move the pieces about the chessboard mm -hmm. of your life to bring you to where he needs you to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. I, I always find that, that amazing. And I'm just blown away that you were doing doctoral work with a young family. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, that's all God's grace because yeah, that I, you know, when I took the three years off, um, you know, kept asking for extensions, extensions, I, I cannot judge anyone who's ever left a doctoral program, you know, <sighs> because it's, it's lonely work. It's solitary, like solitary. Um, you you have to be very disciplined, great attention to detail, um, very humbling. Getting your paper back, okay, just when you think you're done, nope, you need to make more corrections. Nope, you forgot about that author, and you need a footnote there. So, a lot of back and forth, and then just getting anxious around the doctoral defense. And um, yeah, again, I would never judge anyone because it's tough. It's tough with a family. It's tough to get to the finish line. Um, very rewarding once you get there. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough and demanding. But 
that God has been are good. You, yeah. Are you still living in the Hamilton area? Like, just for our listeners, Hamilton is about an hour, an hour and a half, depending yeah, on yeah, just west of Toronto, and yeah. St. Augustine's on the east side of Toronto. So that is a bit of a commute. That must be difficult, too, to try to get in there every... I guess you in for a couple of days a week, maybe? Yeah, so pre-COVID, uh, the most I'd be in... So three days a week, the most, uh, pre-COVID. Uh, so two to three days a week. Um, and then with lockdown, went mostly online, and I was miserable because I missed my colleagues and my students, and I'm so much more of an in-person type of person. Absolutely, teacher. yep. Yeah, um, but we're we're pretty much back to mostly in-person now, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting to hear you say that again, too. I guess it's the same. It doesn't matter the, the level of education mm-hmm. at all. It really is vital to be in-person mm-hmm. with the students. Uh, sure. My wife, my wife teaches kindergarten. And when we were teaching from home, it was like romper room was going on in the, the office oh, upstairs. So and, hard. Yeah. and you just can't, I couldn't even begin to, I can't begin to imagine teaching kindergarten period. Right. But then to be doing that online and then the same for our own students. Yeah. Right. And uh, the, the teenagers, some of them just couldn't, couldn't handle that. Yeah. It's been so hard for their mental health. And I've been tracking that as a, that's a whole other podcast. Maybe we can do. Uh, I just gave a talk this morning to our interns, our students, our seminarians who are in internship this year. And I did a three hour session on youth and mental health with them. So that (laughs) maybe another time we could talk about that, but and then you touched upon too, as well. It's also the educators. Like you said, you you missed being with your colleagues. Oh, yeah. Uh, I missed being with Dennis. I'm not sure if the feeling's mutual. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely miss Robert and the other colleagues. Absolutely. And and that's the great thing about we're able to feed off each other. And myself and Robert able to discuss the faith as you would be with your colleagues and stuff. And I imagine when you started there, too. Josie, the the numbers of uh, female lecturers maybe have increased over the last fifteen years. You're seeing more and more mm-hmm. females. I, I know. I know when I tell my students that you know I have prof- you know we talk about the role of women in the church, and that's something that you can certainly speak to. And I say, well, you know, there's no women priests, but I, I know professors who teach the priests, so that's a pretty important role as well, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It, it, it is. Um, and actually, the, there is um, another woman who is a dear, dear friend of mine who's also full time, uh, Dr. Patricia Murphy. Mm-hmm. I've had Patricia uh, she's Murphy, a yeah. theologian and uh, she's a sister, she's friend, she's colleague. And uh, we, we, you know, it, what, what a blessing to know her and to work with her. And, and, and then there's Dr. Pamela Reeve, who is a philosopher. She teaches the first uh, and second year philosophy students. And then we have a number of um, female lecturers as well, okay. adjunct professors. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So now we're, we're getting a list of future guests here from, from yes. Dr. Lombardi. So. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I was at, went to school with Patricia Murphy and, and at university and one of my prof, profs as well, like yourself. Uh, oh, wonderful. Story. Yeah, yeah. She was great. She told yeah. She a beautiful me. human being. Yeah. Good, good, good person. Now, we mentioned a little bit off the top, and we're coming up to the one-year anniversary of the the production of your documentary film, uh, The First Lady and Her Successors. Um, You were granted a sabbatical to be able to do that. Yeah, I was given a semester. Yeah, so I had a one-semester sabbatical. I, I had been thinking about it and taking notes and researching for years, um, but I, I needed that semester to just 
work on the production part. We had done the filming in the summer leading up to my January sabbatical. I was worried about lockdown. Uh, so mm -hmm. summer 2020, I, my, my gut was just, I don't know if we go into lockdown, I don't want to do all the interviews on Zoom. I, I want to be... Mm -hmm. I want to be able to talk to some of the women in person. And so we did as many as we could. Uh, we had that little window, summer 2020, where you could still be with people in person and you're wiping everything down and cleaning and hand sanitizing. Uh, so I, I started it in the summer, but then used the sabbatical to, to work on some scripting and um, picking music and images and B-roll and, and, and working with my videographer, yeah. And I can see that almost being like when you were doing your doctoral work, like you say, just very, mm -hmm. um, very much on your own yes. through, throughout yeah. that kind of process as and well. And then frustrating with COVID because then we went into another lockdown and I had to do some of the audio with Zoom. So some of the audio we did in the summer and, and then some of the audio. So it was tough with trying to line up the audio with, from Zoom, from the professional audio in the summer. And um, yeah, yeah. So th there were there were a number of challenges, but in the end, uh, you know, with God's grace and, and many prayers, we were able to bring it to fruition. And from listening to your story, it sounds like that was almost a lifetime in the making because you were, you were sharing how your own faith journey started with your own mother mm -hmm. and her devotion to Mary. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of learning that devotion to Mary. And even though as children and teenagers, especially, we almost push it away or we don't fully understand that, but it, it planted the seeds that, that mm -hmm. kind of, I think, came to fruition in your work. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always felt Mary woo me, you know, from, from just from childhood. There's something... I just feel this mystical bond with her from childhood. Just even when I strayed or made mistakes, I just, I always felt her gentleness around me and her prayers, you know, helping me and encouraging me. I've felt this very strong connection with her and I've had a, a devotion to the rosary, a very strong devotion. I'd say at least going back to about age 19, and so over the years, what's happened is when I would meditate on the mysteries, I would connect some of my life experiences to hers or the life experiences of friends and families or the kids to whom I ministered. And, and in teaching people how to pray the rosary, I would remind them that sometimes, you know, we, we say things and we pray, but we're not really intentional. We're not really present while we're praying. We've just memorized words, but our mind is somewhere else. You're on mm -hmm. the fourth decade of the rosary and you don't know how you got there. Guilty, thinking, guilty. Yeah. yeah, right? You're thinking about a meal you have to prepare or your kids you need to pick up. And and so what I would do is, if I, let's say meditating on uh, the mystery of the crowning with thorns, I would meditate and think about, pray for people with mental health issues or people struggling with migraines or neurological disorders, uh, people who are not perceiving correctly. Um, and, all, and of course, victims of torture, but that would be either the scourging at the pillar or the carrying of the cross. So with, with each mystery, I would think about a person or a situation, a global issue, and that would help me to enter into the mystery. And so with that, over the years, I've met some amazing women and I thought, I know I'm not the only one 
who is relating to Mary and her life and her lived experience as the mother of Jesus, the wife of St. Joseph, and in sharing with some of my friends. Um, so, so most of them, they're friends of mine, they're colleagues, like the women I feature in the film. And, and I, I wanted other women to see their story in Mary's story. And a way of doing that is through storytelling and inviting other women to talk about their lived experience and how Mary's wooed them and touched them and how they see their own story in Mary's story. So that's how the film came to be. And, and also there was the inspiration of certain insights around who Mary is. Um, even the insight, I know the Holy Spirit gave me the title. Uh, the first lady and her successors. And uh, do you want me to say a little bit about the inspiration for the title? Yeah, actually, I was going to ask you about the title because the, the title itself sums up the, mu the movie beautifully. Okay. Right? So, so I, I, would, I did want you to go on a little bit into the title and Where how it came from? to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, at, so two inspirations for the title. So the, the book of Genesis and the book of Acts. So I'll start first with the first lady, the title of first lady. Um, St. Jerome and, and other early church fathers referred to Mary as Our Lady. So St. Jerome called her Our Lady Star of the Sea. So when we think of sailors back in the time where, you know, they relied on the stars to find their way home or when they were traveling. And so Mary was called Our Lady Star of the Sea. Uh, Madonna literally in English means um, my lady. You know, so, so Our Lady, my lady. Um, but there's also the title of the new Eve and the title of the new Eve is inspired by the first creation account. You know, in the beginning, God created man and woman, male and female in his image, he created them. So early church fathers inspired by St. Paul who referred to Jesus as the new Adam, because in his divinity, he reveals the father, but in his humanity, his second nature, he reveals Adam before the fall. And so when we think of what does it mean to be created in God's image, the catechism teaches it means that we have dignity. It means we have, um, we have the capacity for self-mastery, to grow in self-knowledge, uh, to reason, to use our intellect, the powers of the soul, our free will and intellect, uh, to love. And so the person is most free when they are like God, when they have self-mastery, self-control, um, they honor their dignity and the dignity of others. They use their reason where they're free to reason and love without fear. And so Jesus is a sneak preview of that reality. And so, so Mary then, as the new Eve, is the sneak preview of the female created in God's image before the fall. So I thought the first lady for me captured the, the deep insight of both titles, the new Eve and our lady, uh, that, that Mary is the first lady of creation. Um, so when we think of what does it mean to be the first lady? Well, one, one meaning of course is the wife of a head of state, but the other is a, a woman who is a leader in her discipline. And so Mary is the leader of the human race. Uh, so that's where the first lady came from and her successors. That was inspired by the book of Acts, um, the, verses, the verses that appeared just before Pentecost. So we hear in the book of Acts that the apostles, the 11 apostles, because we don't have Matthias elected 
at this point. Um, so eventually he's elected and he takes the place of Judas Iscariot because 12 is a symbolic number in sacred numerology. It's symbolic for divine governance. And so that's why they had to go back up to 12. So they needed to replace Judas with Matthias. But before that happens, we hear that the 11 are waiting in the upper room together with Mary and certain other women. Now, that to me suggests it's very clear because in liturgical art, there are images that abound with Mary at the center, surrounded by the apostles when, when the Holy Spirit descends upon them. So she is present together with certain other women to receive this anointing. Saint Maximus the Confessor, and I refer to him in the film, he and a few others prepared what, what he calls the life of the Virgin. There's also the Protevangelium of James that's dated around the year 180 that also gives us a detailed history of the life of Mary. But Saint Maximus tells us that she was a leader and that she didn't, as quoting my good friend Mary in the film, she just didn't sit around after the ascension. She was very much involved. And Saint Maximus drawing on a very strong oral tradition tells us that she was a leader. So not only was she an inspiration to the apostles and other disciples, but that she also encouraged other women and encouraged other women to minister to other women. So hence the title, Our Lady and Her Successors, that just as the apostles have their successors, we know through sacred tradition that Mary had her own successors. So other women who were stand-ins that were like her um, that continue to spread the gospel to encourage people and uh, minister to other people. I really like that notion of the first lady. And as you said, the, the lady or the woman who is a leader in her field. Mm -hmm. And I think I've heard you refer uh, before to that kind of similar as in the, the ballet, you have the, the lead dancer in the ballet. Yes. Yeah. The, and you have to correct my Italian on this, but the prima donna. The, 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 yes, yeah, yes right? the, the first lady. The, yeah. the first lady. Yeah. Um, and so she really is that lady that uh, we're all to strive to follow her example, to be, be close to her son. Uh, and I coming back to what you were talking a little bit about before, but just that notion of relating to Mary and comparing ourselves to Mary and, you know, how can we not come up short mm. to, to, to be honest, say it's that, um, you know, but that being said, you show through the movie, through the different ladies that you speak with, that we all can somehow relate our lives back to our lady's life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of the, the movie too, is it, it's so theologically deep, mm. but so accessible. And well, it's, thank you. Thank yeah. you for that. Well, praise God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, I found I've had to go back a few times because each time you pick out something, mm. something different from that. And that also that notion of the successors mm. to that. And you spoke about the apostles. And I, I, when I speak about the apostles with my students, I, I always teach them and we go back to the Greek apostolos. Hmm. And then because I teach it in French immersion, we're able to go to the French. And I just say, you know, but apostem to be sent, mm, right? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. And as you're saying too now, the succession can't end with us. Right, yeah. 
right? We're, we're, we're called to go on. And so how are some ways that, you know, we as successors who have received this from the first lady, but also from the other ladies in our lives, like you shared, you received from your mother, mm-hmm. how do we then as the new apostles of Christ, what can we do to go forth and share that with others? Yeah, well, that that's where the new evangelization comes in, right? That that we're called to um, uh, repropose the faith, uh, especially to those who have fallen away for some reason, and and we can do that two ways. Uh, we can we can witness, and Pope Paul the sixth, when he talked about what it means to witness, um, he says that 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 witnessing is kind of that pre stage of evangelization, where people are watching you. And watching the way you behave, the way you conduct yourself as a Christian. So we have that hymn, they know we are Christians by our love. Uh, so they will, they, they, will, they will be inspired by the fruits of the spirit that they see in our life. Love and patience and peace and self-control, generosity, faithfulness. And so if, if I have people who are close to me, friends, colleagues, um, students, they may watch the way I deal with adversity. So that's where virtues come in, like the cardinal virtues around self-control, temperance, for example, prudence. Um, If I'm about to eat and I'm with friends who have fallen away from the faith, I'm still going to take the time to say grace and to bless myself. I'm going to keep my ashes on on Ash Wednesday when I go into a supermarket. And so we can continue to witness uh, through our hospitality, through corporal works of mercy. And there are a few researchers. There's Sherry Waddell, Uh, her book, Intentional Discipleship, but there's also another book called I Once Was Lost by uh, Everts and Schaup. And like Sherry Waddell, I I think they published their book a few years before Sherry Waddell, but both sets of authors talk about certain thresholds one must pass through um, on their way toward faith development and conversion. And that very first threshold consists of trusting another Christian. So I think it's so important that we focus on relational ministry, that we gain the trust of those in our community, um, that God may be calling us to evangelize those closest to us, our, our extended family, so that establishing trust is key. Once you establish trust, if people are curious about the faith, they're going to start asking you questions. And that's where proclamation comes in. You know, so that, um, and, and Everts and Schaup, and Sherry Waddell say to not to not mistake curiosity for full out conversion. You know, mm-hmm. that, that we still need to keep witnessing and evangelizing, but as long as they, they know where to go, and if we don't have the answers, uh, to to resist the temptation to try to answer when we don't have the answer, because then we risk misinforming people. Uh, so it's important to say as a Catholic, if you don't know, hey, that's a really good question, but I'm going to ask my pastor for you. You know, I'll know who to call. Uh, so I think establishing relationship, you know, Pope Francis is big on accompaniment, uh, accompanying people, loving them. Um, we don't compromise the faith or water it down, but just being strategic and prudent around when to enter into a certain conversation that we need to have that trust first. Yeah, think of it. The, the example I think that relates to this is if you know anyone in a step blended family situation, how if the step parent steps in too soon, you know, with a disciplining um, where the step parent can inform the biological parent, 
and the biological parent does the parenting and, and research shows it takes about seven years for a step blend family to come together because okay. what is needed first respect mm -hmm. respect and trust and then you can go deeper in that relationship so i think we have to apply the same kind of tactics to evangelizing people get that respect and trust keep being you um you know hey yeah i went to mass on sunday so sometimes people hide and they shrink like how was your weekend and if they have friends who really are not believing or practicing they may omit that detail but hey yeah i went to church right yeah so so just establishing trust i think is is very important yeah and so difficult, I think, sometimes not to jump off the deep end either. Like someone, like you say, someone mm -hmm. asks a question mm. and we're ready to take them to the baptismal font right away. Yeah. Right. We're just gonna kind of go, like I said, just jump in on the deep end and oh, you have this question and bombard them with with yeah. with everything instead of building that relationship. Yeah, there's a process and and some people take more time to kind of integrate and process what they're hearing. Yeah. But invite, we must always invite, right? Invitational, propose, um, you know, hey, yeah, have you ever been to an Easter Vigil Mass? I think it's something you'd really like, you know, so I think inviting is, is very important as well. Now, what was the biggest um, challenge you faced, uh, Josie, when you when you produced this film? Like you'd you'd written before, you're obviously your lecture, but this kind of getting behind all this, this must have been quite daunting at um, times. It was, and, it, and you know, it's tough because a lot of a lot of uh, the commentary you hear was off the cuff. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. Uh, so I I funded the film, so that was probably one of the biggest struggles. It was because this was, although I am grateful to the seminary that they gave me the gift of time to work <laughs> on it, um, and 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 so that was a great blessing that they supported me in doing this. Absolutely, but you still have to pay the videographer. You know, I had to pay a sound editor to try to fix some of the sound because I had some Zoom audio and then I had professional audio. Um, had to pay for B-roll, uh, had to pay for an assistant editor, um, then a graphic designer. And so that that was kind of challenging and just trusting God that um, I wanted to do this as a way of thanking Our Lady for her inspiration and for praying for me. Um, the power of her intercessory prayer for me and for my family. So it was a, a way of a tribute to her, a thank you. So that <laughs> a was labor a of love. Yeah, that was a challenge. Um, yeah. And then because to have a teleprompter would have been another expense. And so a lot of the commentary that, you know, I'm just talking and he's filming. And so then it was kind of editing, oh, take that out. And then maybe catching the odd little error and, and wanting to be more accurate. Okay, go back, take that word out, put this word in, um, redoing some of the audio. And um, yeah, and then also very humbling putting it out there, like with anything. And I know, Robert, you've published books too. And I, and I know, Dennis, you've given, you know, presentations, maybe you've written a book too. And, you know, so it's always very humbling when you put something out there because you just have to trust I've done my best. And what's helped me to stay grounded is to not so much focus on perfection, but that I've made a contribution. That this is not, you know, the end word on Mary, or if I write a book, the end word on the Our Father or some other topic. This is just me as an author, um, allowing God to use me as an instrument with my simple language, but trying to communicate deep 
truths, insights to people. And at the end of the day, just having to let it go. Or even working with the women, because they were good friends, they trusted me. They trusted me to work with what they gave me. And then, you know, they, that the interviews were over a half hour and I had to bring it down to like five minutes, six minutes. Right. So in making sure I wanted to honor them, I wanted to make them look good and they're trusting me with personal information. Uh, so that was challenging as well that uh, I gave them a, a sneak preview before it went public on May 13th because I didn't want them to kind of watch it cold when everyone else was. I wanted them to have a moment. So we had a little watch party. Um, and uh, th so that was very moving to have that that opportunity to watch it together. Um, and uh, yeah, so those were some of the some of the struggles. We were joking a little bit before we got started, uh, Dr. Lombardi, you know, kind of saying, you know, who was your favorite all-time student that's ever passed through your classroom? Um, and I know Dennis there, um, he would like to claim that prize, but I'm not. I was just surprised you remembered me in class. Oh, I mean, Dennis, how, many, how, many, how many students have you taught? I mean, now you've got I was two different. Hired, I was hired in 2005. Oh, wow. Yeah. So coming on 17, 17 years. years. Yeah. Now you teach mostly seminarians. Yeah, I mean, mostly, you teach... yeah. So in the beginning, it was mostly lay students through right. the Institute of Theology. Right. And then 2007, 2008, it flipped to um, mostly day work with the seminarians. Yes. That was it. Yeah. So I was I was not her student as a seminarian, as a lay person, <laughs> just to correct, you know, <laughs> for the listeners out there. Yeah. But no, that was uh, I and, and you do both. And you do both so well, but I'm just wondering that lay. I, I mean, I would have never, if not for Patrick Sullivan, I would have never thought to take course or a degree at the seminary. I, I thought it was just a closed off kind of priest only priest to be only type thing. So maybe speak to a little bit about that, uh, Josephine, because that is a big part of the seminary now. And I, I felt really welcome there and it was nice to, you know, on occasion, we, like Robert said before, we would, there would be workshops or there'd be retreats and we'd actually break bread with the seminarians too, which was really nice. It's not oh. as close shop as it was before, maybe back in the day. That's right. Yeah. So, so thanks for asking. We have an Institute of Theology and Father Kevin Belgrave, a, a colleague of mine, he's a moral theologian, mm -hmm. is the director of the Institute of Theology. And so lay students are invited to register for certificates, diplomas, degrees. And so we have uh, diplomas in lay ministry, uh, we have uh, uh, degrees in religious education, theological studies, and of course, lay students are invited to take the same degree seminarians take, Master of Divinity. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a three-year degree, and so a lot of lay students find the, the two-year degrees a little more attractive and, of course, a little more um, reasonable at the, when, when you think about uh, how much money these degrees cost, right? right. So, MRE, MTS. Uh, now, the good news for teachers, if Teachers have so many years of classroom experience and right. they've taken the three-year additional qualification mm -hmm. courses in religious ed, they can get up to a four-credit reduction. So the MRE is yep. very attractive for teachers. Uh, so so we, we have degrees, certificates, diplomas. I've also had students audit. So for example, I teach pastoral counseling and most of my students are seminarians, but I've encouraged lay chaplaincy leaders or lay pastoral ministers to take that course. Some have taken it for credit. 
It's only been offered once in the summer, and we're going to see about offering it through the Institute as an, an elective course at some point. Uh, but I've had chaplaincy leaders audit the course as well. Uh, so they take it with the seminarians and they get all the skills around pastoral counseling, what to say, what not to say, duty to report, dealing oh, with bereavement, um, separation, divorce, those kinds of issues, how to help people, how to accompany them. Um, and then we also have, we've had since 2011, uh, the lay spiritual formation program. So I've been the director of that program since 2011. And on a yearly basis, we've offered six to eight days of formation for lay people. It's a non-credit program. Up until COVID, it was in person. We served a hot lunch, mass, confessions. Um, so the faculty, we all kind of take turns leading those days. Uh, but sadly, the last two years, they've been online. So they've been virtual. Uh, but we do have uh, our first in-person event in two years taking place on Saturday, June 4th. It's a day of reflection for women and the Sisters of Life will be facilitating that day. We're going to have a hot brunch and mass, but there's also the option to particip participate virtually. I can't believe you've been running those programs for over 10 years now. Ah, that just seems to fly. Yeah. Long time. I know. And, and we were lucky as lay people as well, uh, Dr. Lombardi, we were lucky to, um, I took a number of courses there with the, uh, as I, I did the degree with seminarians. So yeah. it wasn't as though you were not like some of the courses just happened to be yeah. with seminarians. So that was a nice little to kind yeah. of chat with them as well, to see how and they're it's good, doing. It's good for them to have you there. Yes. I think so too, because they're going to be with us for the next 50, 60 years, once they get into the parishes, right? That's you know? right. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. And I actually wanted to ask you a question, a, a little bit tongue in cheek. So just, just kind of take it with a bit of a grain of salt, because it, it must be interesting to be forming our future priests, mm -hmm. right? And, and to be forming the, the men that are going to become our ordained ministers. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of, like I say, tongue in cheek, take this with a bit of a grain of salt, but how great is the temptation when you're sitting at Sunday Mass and it's one of your former students giving the homily to take them aside afterwards and kind of point out, you know, oh. kind of give a little bit of feedback. <laughs> no, you don't have to give names or answer oh, yeah. that question. But you don't teach homiletics, right? So you can excuse yourself yeah, there. Yeah, I teach lay preaching, though. I do teach. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I, there's a course. I just just taught it this past semester. It's right. called Lay Ministry in the Diocesan Church. One of the units is on lay preaching, and um, I gave uh, that same lecture for a homiletics conference. It's on my website on the video page. Okay. Uh, so there's a one-hour workshop there on the legalities associated with lay preaching. So, so just give us an example of lay preaching. Sorry, I'm, I'm not too familiar. Yeah, with so, yeah, so canon law, canon 766, states that lay people... It, it, as long as they're orthodox and in good standing with their bishop and their pastor, and they have theological training, homiletic training, that they are permitted to teach in a church or an oratory, as long as it's not in the space reserved for the homily during Mass. So that means we as lay people um, mm -hmm. could preach at a retreat, a prayer service, after a Bible study, at the end of a workshop. And uh, but what what is preferred is that the person has training and is orthodox and in good standing. Uh, so the the workshop video that I have on my website on the video page on lay preaching, 
for the first 20 or 30 minutes, I go through the legalities associated with lay preaching, canon law, for example. Um, and, and then I go into a model I created that anyone could use to prepare a preached reflection. I'm going to so, have to look that yeah. up. I was just going to say, Robert's retirement is a couple of years away. He's already, oh, the wheels are turning. I can, I can yeah, and I'm going to have to, and I, that's so interesting. Wow. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. And I've kind of gone through it backwards to the point where I actually had uh, a pastor say, you do know you're supposed to go through the office of spiritual affairs before you start offering this stuff. So um, again, guilty. So I, I, I need to, to go by your webpage and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing that tomorrow evening is uh, watching that yeah. one hour video to, <laughs> yeah, that's I gotta get on. That's that definitely something yeah, I want and then to I and then I, I preach a short reflection to to model how to use the model that I prepared. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and again too, just coming back, I love the, the lay spiritual formation days. Mm -hmm. Um I, I always say to people there, you know, I take my wife on dates to the seminary because we, <laughs> we 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 absolutely love when we started, that was the first time we met was and i don't know how long ago it was um but it was one of the the very early days at the seminary because we were in the cardinal ambrosic room there was maybe 30 people okay okay mm -hmm. uh you gave a talk on vatican ii i believe and Janine oh, Langan and Janine yes. Langan spoke yes, on yes. the catechism or i got that backwards one of oh, you, you know what yeah i think that was around uh was it yeah, that was early days of the lay formation program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it's gone from, say, those 30 people now that yeah. there, there's waiting lists to, to get in. Yes. Yeah, we, we yes. went. And that's what made, broke my heart with COVID. We had finally we had we had a well-oiled machine, oh. you know, that Sheila Connolly was director of operations Sheila, yep. and she was also director of the Institute for a while. Uh, and then the kitchen staff and then we had like mm -hmm. support staff. And just before COVID, we had a full dining room. Mm -hmm. and as you you say, were always full. Yeah, the dining room was full. You were full. Yeah, at the, at the and then room. COVID hit, and now, wow. you know. Yeah, You'll get yeah. it back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, and, you, and you mentioned Sheila as well. My wife worked with her at the beginning of my wife's career. Uh, oh, Sheila was her vice principal. So they, they'd worked amazing. together in the same school. So. And she was my first principal. So we, we both have that connection. And, and, the, and the late, great uh, Janine Langan. What a oh, great professor. What a lovely. Amazing. Wow. So strong and spunky. Oh, and, yeah. oh, I mean, she was teaching well into her late seventies, if not yes. later, right? Um, yeah. Just, yeah, great, yeah. great women. I and, and Sheila is uh, is a good friend of mine. So yeah, Sheila retired now. Is she? Is she? she re she's she retired, but she just was tremendous as director. She was a, amazing. Director. She went from and director of operate like just that woman could, whole, could, yeah. could run a corporation. Like I know, I was so that. sad to see her go so from the. Great to see her go from principal to this position here. Yeah, Wonderful yeah, job there. She was she? outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, and, and speaking of successors, again, uh, Janine Langan, I taught her granddaughters. Wow. And, and just absolutely yeah. amazing young ladies. Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing young ladies. So, amazing. again, just seeing from Our Lady, the First Lady, yeah. and then the successors down down through the generations. It's giving me goosebumps just thinking about that. that right now I'm making oh, those cool. connections. Yeah. No, thank you of making connections, uh, Dr. Lombardi. Uh, how can people find not just the movie mm -hmm. and not just the video that I need to go watch now on late preaching, yeah. but also to the so many books as well, mm -hmm. too. We we'd, had wanted yes. to ask you about your books and mm -hmm. we've run out of time. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, where would people find those as well? Yeah. 
so I, I do have a website, josephinelombardi.com, and that came after a lot of prayer, prayer several years ago. I kept getting coffee number of people, do you have a website? Do you have a website? Do you have a website? And then, um, so finally, uh, with the help of others, was able to put one together. Uh, so josephinelombardi.com. The video is on the homepage. And I, I also funded the translation uh, so that we now have Spanish subtitles. So there's the just the regular version, and then just underneath is the version with Spanish subtitles. So that's on the home page. And then there's a page with my books, and then there's a page with videos. Uh, so lots of, and there's a, and a blog page as well. I don't blog that often, but there are a few blog posts there as well. Yeah. And I just want to briefly kind of pump up the books as well, because it, there is a, a range of subjects that you speak on in the books, but they're all so well done. Right, and, and have have gone through a, a number of them, um, and so whether it's looking at scripture, right, or looking how the faith can help us in our relational lives, uh, and, and even looking at God's mercy mm-hmm. as well. So uh, there, there really is something there for for everyone Thank you. as well, and and like we say, just that accessibility uh, of the language that you use, and that's that's why I think our current Vocations director, Father Matt McCarthy, you know, when he said that, you know, Dr. Lombardi is pretty much the favorite professor at the seminary. Oh, boy. <laughs> right. I'm going to say one of the favorite professors at the, the yeah. seminary so that, you know, the other professors don't get their nose out of joint. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, praise God. That's because um, there's amazing professors at St. Augustine. So that's, there are a lot of good professors there. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So thank and you. you're one of them. That's Amen. great. Thank you so very much for well, taking Vera, I think time you have out a little, this evening. And you're going to send her our, um, our little gift? Yeah. yeah, so we'll have to get one of these in the mail. So oh, I'll, I love I'll, it. I'll touch base with that. Wow. So, so the, the official Pints and Pews cap. I am so impressed. You guys oh, are oh. like top-notch, man. We're making the promise to send it out now. It could take a month or two before okay. I get it in okay. an envelope and over to, to the post make, office. I, I'll make sure I wear it for my summer walks. There you Actually, go. you know what? We can probably drop it off to the seminary if that would be uh, quicker um, sure. rather than... Yeah, send I'll it. be if, there. Um, yeah, that yeah. Well, I mean, we could just drop it off at the front desk or something with yeah, your name on it or yeah, something. Myself and Rivera are always oh, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. it would probably be faster for us to walk it to the seminary than it would take for me to get it to the post office. Okay. <laughs> now, yeah. Like that, that's I, I talk about being organized, but when it comes to some things, it just yeah, yeah no, that's takes, takes a little push. I, I look forward to wearing it. Yeah, that's great. Great for and you to come all on the, the questions. Show. I'm looking forward to the questions, it's going to inspire too. So that's good. Cool. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank mm. you. Again, thank you so much for, for joining right. us. This has thanks, been an, Josephine. an absolute yeah. blast. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Dennis. All so faithful. Thank you so much. Thanks, I learned so much. I'll yes. be keeping you all close in prayer. Thank you. That's great. Thanks so much. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Josephine Lombardi, that was amazing. What, what a faith-filled woman uh, woman, and uh, absolutely great guest. And I really learned a lot tonight. So did I. So did I. I'm always amazed every time that I hear Dr. Lombardi speak uh, or any time that we have a conversation with her because we have met her yep. at different events where we're able to kind of have a conversation as well, kind of at the break or, or afterwards, that mm-hmm. as a university professor and a, and a lady who is just brilliant, Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Absolutely brilliant. Right. 
yet it's so accessible and so yeah. easy to talk to, and you could just chat about anything with her. Absolutely. I think that's a word you use too, is accessible. I, I, I think that's very poignant. It is. She's very accessible and she makes you want to learn about the faith. She makes me want to study Mary a little bit more. I mean, at, obviously in prayer, but, you know, read a little bit more background maybe. And that's so important. I think for the theologians, for, for those that have that burning desire to learn about our faith deeply so that they can share it with others. I think it is so important that they do inspire others to want to learn as well. Absolutely. Cause I think I was one of those people, I think she mentioned on the podcast, you know, thinking of Mary that, you know, she, did, she just didn't sit around after that. <laughs> and that's, I think I, I, when I have this vision of Mary, she's just sitting around afterwards. And that wasn't the case at all, as she points out. No. And so, um, you know, hopefully our listeners listening to Dr. Lombardi, listening to, to Josephine, will feel inspired not just to learn more about the faith, but to do more for the faith as well. Absolutely. No. So just before we wind up here, I want to give a shout out today, Dennis, to the people over at Broughton's Catholic Gift and Bookstore. Uh, I was there this past weekend with my own book. Uh, they were gracious enough to host me uh, as a an author and at a signing event. So I want to thank them for you know, putting their trust in me, putting their trust in my work uh, and having it represented at their store. So uh, look them up at bbroughtons.com or just do a, a quick search for Broughton's Catholic gift and bookstore. Uh, they've got a great web presence. Uh, it's not just gift and books as well, that you know, any of your liturgical needs right, as well. Right. So uh, faith build selections at Broughton's. Yes. Yes. Been so, around forever. A big shout out to the to the folks at Broughton's. You had a shout out as well. I did. I had a shout out. I have a shout out to my mother in law, who's a loyal listener. In fact, sometimes she might be suffering a little bit from insomnia, so she puts this on, and it just kind of eases her into, uh, a, you know, a little snooze. But she's been laid up the past couple of weeks uh, with a knee injury, uh, so she's uh, recuperating. And I just want to give a shout out to her. So your mother-in-law is a little bit like our students that once we start talking, they fall asleep. They fall asleep. Exactly. But she gets most of the podcasts in before she does. So I hope you get better soon, Mrs. Coop. But Dennis, as always, the time seems to have flown by and my hourglass is pretty much empty here. Always a pleasure, Robert, both the pint and the conversation. Especially the pint. How was your innocent gun this evening? My innocent gun? I will buy that. The original Innocent Gun Scottish Golden Beer. I will go out and buy one tomorrow. This th- I really enjoyed this beer. Excellent. And I can tell you, too, the, the downtown nut brown ale from the Amsterdam Good. Brewery was just the right dunkel for a dunkel kind of day. For a dunkel kind of day. And again, it's always a pleasure to talk about our Catholic faith as well, Robert. Very true. Very true. And just before we wrap up, Dennis, perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners. If you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Fuse podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review. And while you're at it, give us a like on Facebook and drop us a line there or at pintsandfews at gmail.com as we always enjoy hearing from our listeners. We'll chat again soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, why don't you remind our friends, Dennis, remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless.